Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. Last weekend, March 5th to the 8th, 2021, Pope Francis became the very first pope to visit Iraq. It was a visit that was packed with events and significance. The motto of the trip was, You are all brothers and sisters, reflecting the dual purpose of the visit. It was Pope Francis's 12th visit to a majority Muslim country. In the three days that he was there, Pope Francis visited six cities and participated in seven major events. He met with civil authorities, with bishops, clergy, and religious. He met with the leaders of other faith groups, including an unprecedented meeting with the Grand Ayatollah al-Sistani, the leader of the world's Shia Muslims. He prayed for victims of terrorism and war, and he visited churches that had been destroyed and desecrated, where he prayed with and listened to Christians who lived there. Today, we're going to look back at this visit. But I'd like to start with a conversation I had with Archbishop Bashar Warda before the Pope went to Iraq. Archbishop Warda is the Chaldean Catholic Archbishop of Erbil, where most Iraqi Christians now live. He was involved in the planning of the trip and in the planning of the Pope's final Mass, which took place in a stadium with 10,000 people in Erbil. Afterwards, we'll hear from Stephen Rasha, who is with the Catholic University in Erbil. Steve will also give us some details of the trip and explain the pastoral and interreligious purposes of the visit. In our second half hour, we will hear from a panel of experts as we unpack some of the major moments of this apostolic visit. Remember to visit us at slmedia.org and to comment on what you hear or to ask any questions. Just look for me, Deacon Pedro, on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Let's begin now with Archbishop Bashar Warda of the Chaldean Catholic Archdiocese of Erbil, Iraq. Maybe we should start with the most basic question. Why is Pope Francis traveling to Iraq? Uh, His Holiness made it clear right from the beginning of his papacy that he is really uh, always would be closer to the marginalized communities. And he he asked the church, go to the margins. Mm -hmm. And he set an example for this uh, with, with his visits. Uh, If you go back uh, and see and watch all the visits that he made, uh, some of the places were were for the first time. And uh, personally, personally, when ISIS attacked uh, Mosul and then the plane and uh, forced uh, 125,000 Christians to leave their homes Mm -hmm. and their villages, at that time, myself and like so many people we were expecting his holiness at any moment to come and pay a visit to to the camps because right. this this is pope francis that pope francis that he always comes with this uh, uh, pastoral and caring father uh, touch in in a way yep. so I, I would say thank god at last it, it happens so Yes, uh, caring for the marginalized communities, uh, it's, it's one of the key uh, elements in, in his mission. Uh, so, and Iraq uh, uh, is, is one of these uh, countries where Christians have a deep history, but uh, over the last hundred years, they suffered a lot. And uh, 
it's not about declining the number, but you could tell from the all the persecution and difficulties and challenges that those, I mean, those who stayed, uh, they are still facing uh, these challenges. And he wants yeah. to be close to what, us in this situation. Would you say that this trip has been planned for a long time then, that it's sort of long coming since uh, maybe the beginning of the papacy, that it was a place where he wanted to travel? Could be, because uh, when we met him uh, we several times, he always uh, mentioned this, I want to visit. Mm -hmm. This is the place that I want to go. I want to visit. So it's not the first time uh, that he said, I mean, several times he mentioned this to us as a bishops uh, during uh, our visit there. And we've met him in, in several occasions. And whenever he knew that this is a person or a bishop, a priest, sister from Iraq, he made this uh, quite clear. I want to be there. Um, maybe maybe you've just made me think of how complicated organizing a papal visit is. Um, for this visit to happen, he has to be invited by the local church. Does, how, uh, to what extent does the government have to be involved in that process? Both, both. The local church, that's why the, uh, his beatitude, uh, Cardinal uh, Sacco, have uh, presented, I mean, offered uh, an official invitation. And also the president, Barham Saleh, went personally and invited him. Right. Um, what, uh, what are people on the ground in Iraq saying, Christians and Muslims, what, what, do you think they, how, what do you think they feel is the significance of this trip for them? Uh, Pope Francis has been well known uh, all over the world. Uh, he made, he have made lots of surprise gestures, movements, missions, and talks and prayers, um, and everyone would uh, would follow uh, him. And uh, he's been well known uh, uh, since, I mean, uh, the ISIS attacks because he kept praying for the persecuted Christians and Yazidis as well. And, uh, the, uh, and even whenever we had the big attacks, bombing and uh, these uh, unfortunate uh, really incidents, uh, we were in his prayer. So the local media was always reporting about, uh, about this. Um, now, um, I'm sure as a media people, you know, over the last 50, 60 years, all the images and scenes that you, that you report from Iraq is about war, sanction, yes. violent, um, sectarian violence, kidnapping, bombing, etc. I mean, it's all of these, I mean, evil images. This time, it's a different scene. It's, it's, a, it's an image of, of people welcoming uh, a guest like uh, Pope Francis, uh, cheering together, celebrating, being there, uh, praying together, and of course the the, the big event in um, visiting Al Sistani uh, mm. and also going to Ur, the lands of Abraham, the father of Judaism, Islam, and Christianity, to tell we are all brothers. You are all brothers of a father who started this journey of faith mm -hmm. from from the southern country and then of course going to Mosul praying at the uh, at a place where we had four churches four communities flourishing were flourishing there 
going to Nineveh plain, uh, to Karakosh, where we have in that plains uh, over 8,000 families made it back after ISIS attack. And they're finally celebrating the Eucharist with 10,000 people. Yeah, uh, these, I mean, these images, these scenes is, is rarely seen from Iraq, you know? I mean, yes. I mean, the media would be saying, oh, this is Iraq or, or what? This is not the Iraq that we know, I mean, in no, a way. Yeah, you're right. This is definitely an opportunity for Iraq to tell a different story, um, because as you say, all we seem to hear in the news is, 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 is not good news. Um, uh, that's because Pope Francis, huh? Yes. He is the reason for, for this. He is the reason for, for really uh, celebrating these images with the world. Yes, and I'm glad that you mentioned a little bit of what that schedule is going to be. I wanted to, to go maybe more in detail. Who decides, how did the Holy Father decide to visit Ur, to go to Nineveh Plains, to some of these places? Um, uh, was that partly in, in collaboration with people like you or the Cardinal to figure out where were the places that he needed to visit? Or were some of these places places that Pope Francis himself feels that he needs to go because they are the margins or the peripheries? Well, uh, as for Ur, we know that uh, uh, St. John Paul II wanted to start the Jubilee celebration from Ur. Yes. And unfortunately, his wish was not fulfilled. It had to be canceled, yes. At that time. So Ur was always there. I mean, Abraham was always there. I mean, um, of course, the capital is is uh, is number one as well uh, because Baghdad is the capital, and then you have the 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 Church of uh, Our Lady of uh, Salvation, where in two thousand ten there was a massacre after uh, during the mass, uh, insurgents went in and killed two priests and over forty eight. Uh, People were praying there, and also some some guards. Um, so that in that place, he will meet yeah. the the priest and the religious people. Um, of course, and then comes uh, Al Najaf, where Al Sistani, uh, the big figure for the Shia. Uh, then we have Mosul, the historical uh, city for Christians, Nineveh Plain, and Erbil. Uh, usually. Uh, we have received uh, as a as a catholic bishop conference uh, these preference preference of of certain cities then we've added we've added our own uh, and we we informed the vatican why we would like uh, him uh, his holiness to be here or there in in a way yeah. uh, unfortunately you know it's all the limitedness of of time his age health pandemic, all of this uh, have limited, I mean, because I, I'm sure he would, he'd love he, to also to be close to the Yazidis, for example. Yeah. But, you know, the limits, the time, all of these issues. So this is in collaboration between the Catholic Bishop Conference and uh, his Beatitude, uh, Cardinal uh, Luis Sacco, and the uh, Renuncio, and us, and the Vatican working together to make the, the schedule uh, for His Holiness. Right, and it's clear, it's clear, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, but to me it's clear that the main purpose, it's, it's a pastoral visit to Christians, but there's also the interreligious aspect. You mentioned Al-Sistani, 
Um, are there other issues that maybe are opportunities or maybe challenges for this visit? Yes, I mean, to prepare uh, and to call, I mean, for, for papal visit, in a normal situation, it's a headache, <laughs> you know. This. <laughs> then, to prepare such a visit to Iraq, it's another challenge. And then to prepare it with this corona. Pandemic. Oh, I can't forget it. Oh, it's, but luckily, we've been blessed. I, I speak my, for myself we'd be, because we have the big event of, of the Mass, the final Mass. And we are blessed with the, with the great uh, and courageous uh, priests and young people who over 200 of them are working day and night voluntarily really to prepare for this visit. Uh, we have to register all the people who will attend the Mass. It's not just providing tickets, but each one we should know his, his, her name, telephone address, where he will or she will be in, in the stadium. God forbids if anything would happen, uh, we could inform those who are surrounding that someone was caught with. I mean, these types of issues, it's, I mean, you could, you could tell. Yeah, it's, it's really a big challenge. We, I mean, I've just came back from, from the stadium uh, because we go there every day to check about uh, these issues. So yeah, we will have people be uh, to transfer the people from a spot where they would be fed and checked, relaxed, and then going to the stadium and back forward. I mean, yeah, these logistic issues, but God is always providing us with, with, the, with a good team, I would say. Right. Maybe in closing, uh, Archbishop, what are your personal hopes for the Holy Father's visit? Um, I would uh, love that His Holiness will, will see face to face the courageous uh, faces that, that uh, we have here with, with concerning Christians who decided to really remain faithful, uh, to continue the message, and to, to be blessed to have uh, such a really a history of martyrdom, witness to, to Christ. Mm -hmm. I'm sure he, as I said, he'd loved to make it earlier, but finally, this is really a, a successful uh, mission uh, in a way to tell the world uh, already a lot of Iraqis uh, following the local media are uh, being informed now about the Christianity, the history of Christianity in the country, uh, the contribution of the Christians since the, I mean, beginning of Islam, Christians yes. are not uh, like a people immigrated from Europe to Iraq. No, no, they are original yeah. of Iraq. A lot of them, I mean, uh, uh, I mean, uh, are aware now, oh, I mean, those people were here before us, I mean, this is really yeah, just to laugh. I mean, some people, you know, preparing the government is preparing the roads, paving the roads to certain area where it makes the people, I mean, the, the trip quite easy. And people are saying, thank God, finally, we have good roads because His Holiness, Pope Francis coming. So many years we've asked the government to do this and no one is, is listening. Thank, thank you, Pope Francis. <laughs> so you could say, yeah. 
I would say, yeah, people, uh, these simple gestures and news will tell you, yeah, he's made, he made a difference in the in oh, life really? of people already. And they said, it's a miracle. It's a miracle. <laughs> uh, you see, uh, it's important that uh, all Iraqis uh, would, would be uh, aware that, yes, uh, losing Christians, uh, it's a big loss for the, for the, for the country. So it's better to to work together on not just maintaining the Christians' community to as a survival community, but as a thrival community, where we believe that we have something to offer in rebuilding Iraq and making Iraq great. And making Iraq great again. So let's hope that that, that is true. And I and I love that already there are some unexpected results to this visit. Um, Archbishop, thank you so much for joining us today and helping us understand the context of the Holy Father's visit a little better. Thank you. Thank you. That was a conversation I had with the Chaldean Catholic Archbishop of Erbil, Archbishop Bashar Warda. We spoke with him last week. Archbishop Warda mentioned what went into planning this trip. It was a monumental task that had its risks, challenges, and concerns. Still, Pope Francis was not deterred in his desire to see the trip go through. In order to look a bit closer at the purpose of the visit and what some of the concerns were, I spoke with Stephen Rasha. He is the vice chancellor at the Catholic University in Erbil, Iraq. I spoke with Steve a few days before the visit. Stephen, welcome. It's good to see you. Thanks so much, Deacon Pedro. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Thank you. Um, I think that from a pastoral perspective, it's, 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 it's obvious why Pope Francis might want to go to Iraq. Why would you say that this is an important visit or a visit that is relevant for Catholics all over the world, not just for Iraqi Catholics? Well, I think that uh, the most important thing locally for the Christians here is uh, that the West understand that these Christians may in fact disappear if they're not uh, recipients of solidarity and support from, from the, their brothers and sisters in the church around the world. And they, despite the uh, military defeat of ISIS, the situation for the remaining Christians here in Iraq, who are amongst the oldest Christians in the world, uh, remains very tenuous. And there's a real risk that they will be forgotten, that their plight will be forgotten at what is still very a perilous time for them. So that's the, that's the first thing that this visit can it can it can help uh, prevent their situation from being forgotten uh, by their Christian brothers and sisters around the world, as well as all other men and women of of, of good feeling and 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 faith. Mm -hmm. uh, the second thing is. You know, in this fractured world that we live in now, here is an opportunity for solidarity in a place where, uh, uh, where clearly it's needed most, uh, an opportunity to show that there still can be some solidarity and coexistence uh, amongst people. And this is, uh, I, I think, the, the main uh, purpose of, of the visit of the Holy Father, if he can show this uh, to the world and the Iraqi Christians can continue to show this to the world. Um, I know a few people have mentioned uh, that Pope Francis has been wanting to go to Iraq for a long time. He's the first pope, 
pope to go, but he's not the first pope who has expressed interest in going. In fact, Pope John Paul II uh, was planning a trip in, I believe, the year 2000, and that trip had to be canceled. I'm not exactly sure what the reasons were, but I know that Iraq was a different place in, in the year 2000. Um, there were security concerns then. Are there security concerns today? Um, he's, Pope Francis is traveling in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, talk, talk to us a little bit about those concerns, not so much the challenges, but some of the risks and concerns that, that come with this trip. Well, you know, there's, there's never an optimal time to come to a broken country like Iraq. And we need to be honest about that. Um, the Iraqis are quite honest about that themselves. Iraq is a broken country with significant problems and real risks at, at any time. I mean, there are four different forms of violence that come from different directions, many different directions, some from within the country, some from outside the country. And this is always an existing thing um, within the uh, the overall uh, modern landscape of, of Iraq. You add on top of that this issue of the pandemic, which is real here. They're clearly in the middle of a real spike here. There's been uh, 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 curfews put in place. Uh, there's been a blocking of uh, a movement between provinces and these things come and go. And, you know, as they try to manage the uh, uh, manage the pandemic. That being said, uh, you know, there is never an optimal time to come to a place like Iraq. And if you waited for the optimal time, you would never come. I mean, by Western standards, you would just never come. And that's why, you know, of course, you know, it's easy to to, to criticize this as being, you know, why, why come now? Why, why be now? But, but when is the right time? When is the right time? And at the same, uh, on the same hand, you look, the Iraqi people have had to live with all of this for all of these years. I mean, this, this is nothing new for the Iraqis. You know, they said, well, there was a rocket attack on in Erbil. Okay, well, right. and next week there will be something somewhere, somewhere else. And yet the Iraqis, the Iraqi Christians, they've lived through all of this. They've been living through war and genocide and pandemic and persecution and more war and all of this. It's just one thing after the other. And yet they endure through all of it. So the idea now that the, that the Pope would be coming and sharing with them in this, uh, I think there was a window of opportunity to, uh, to cancel this visit that's come and gone. Uh, that went and and fairly enough, there were people here uh, in Iraq who thought maybe it might be more prudent to, to postpone this um, uh, for a number of reasons. I think that that window's clearly come and gone, and, and here in Iraq now, uh, we are full on in uh, being ready. Uh, for the Pope to come. Uh, the people have, have uh, put their uh, heads down and they're doing the work. Yeah, they're ready for the Pope. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. I was going to ask you if you thought that it, that, it, that it could get canceled at this point, but I think you're right. It's, it's a full steam ahead at this point. Um, and I appreciate that you, that you spoke about Iraq as a broken country, because you're right. If you want to be with someone who's broken, you don't wait until they are whole again to go visit them. You go see them when they're broken. And that's clearly what Pope Francis is wanting to do. 
Um, we've been speaking a lot about the, the dual purpose of this visit, the pastoral. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's primarily a pastoral visit, and that's when a pope visits a country. It's for pastoral purposes to visit the Christians in that country. This trip also has an interreligious uh, aspect to it. To it. Yeah. Those two might seem to some of us like they work well together. They don't always do. Can you explain to us a little bit about what the tensions might be between those two, uh, the dual purpose of the visit? Sure. Uh, well, the dynamic as it exists here in Iraq, uh, especially amongst the Christians and the persecuted minorities, was in the course of the ISIS war and even before that, uh, there was a, a feeling based on legitimate experience that they were forgotten and then they were not really in the calculus of anybody who was really looking at Iraq. And so there was a sensitivity to this. Uh, and again, it's not an imagined sensitivity. It's based on, on a, a really horrific lived experience uh, where they were nearly wiped out. And so for the, the Christians themselves, um, this message of solidarity coming from the Pope is incredibly important for them. The message of coexistence with uh, the rest of the the Muslim world is of lesser importance to the Christians who are here. Uh, From their perspectives, the the ideas of coexistence amongst the world religions is is more of a larger scale concern. Their concerns right now are really for the survival of their own people. And so there is a, a, a bit of a tension as to whether or not the, the coexistence and the interfaith portion of the visit will overshadow the pastoral solidarity uh, portion of the visit. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, 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 uh, this visit will come uh, from people uh, who, who know Iraq well. You know, Cardinal Paroline was here at a very critical time uh, at Christmas uh, just a couple of years ago, showing that outreach. The Holy Father elevated, uh, or el- I shouldn't say elevated, but made uh, yes. the Patriarch Sacco also Cardinal Sacco as a way of showing his uh, solidarity. And his beatitude, of course, will be there with the Holy Father for the whole trip. So I think there's a confidence that the, that the uh, that Pope and the Vatican will understand uh, the balance yeah. there. Stephen, uh, Stephen Rasha, thank you so much for uh, spending a little bit of time. I know you're very busy planning the visit. So thank you for we spending are. a little time with us today. Thanks so much, Deacon. That was a conversation I had with Stephen Rasha, Vice Chancellor at the Catholic University in Erbil in Iraq. We spoke a few days before the Pope's visit. You're listening to a special Salt and Light Hour looking back at the historic apostolic visit to Iraq. To watch and read all our coverage of this trip, visit us at slmedia.org. Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. Today we're looking back at Pope Francis's visit to Iraq. After the visit, we assembled a panel of experts, including Stephen Rasha, whom we just heard from, from the Catholic University in Erbil, in order to unpack some of the most significant moments. Joining Steve in our conversation was Father Dominic Robinson and John Pontifex, both of Aid to the Church in Need in the UK. 
We spoke about the political impact of the visit, the inter-religious aspect, in particular the meeting between Pope Francis and the Grand Ayatollah of the Shia Muslims, and the important message that visiting a persecuted Christian minority carries. Here is our conversation. I heard about a, a young Iraqi student in Rome who, when she was interviewed, she said that she had never seen her country so united that the Pope had performed, she said, a miracle. Uh, maybe I'll start with you, Steve, because you are in Iraq. Have Iraqis ever been this united? Is that true? Well, you know, we're up here in the north, and uh, uh, based on what we saw on the TV from the uh, from the other locations, but also up here in the north, uh, it's so rare that the world sees anything positive coming out of Iraq. Mm -hmm. And the fact of the Holy Father coming in, in the midst uh, of, of all of this brokenness that we talked about in our last uh, interview, that he came in the middle of this um, and, and, and willing to share with all Iraqis, um, it really brought out a sense of joy and hope. I think everywhere he went, I, I think it's legitimate. It really is palpable here. Yeah, I think so. And I think those were very much the images that we saw on television. Yeah. Um, in fact, it made me want to go to Iraq. I thought, wow, I should have gone on this trip. Um, um, John, I wanted to ask you, uh, of course, whenever the Holy Father visits a country, it's primarily a pastoral visit. But of course, he starts always by meeting with civil authorities. He met with the president and the prime minister. Um, what is the political impact, do you think, of this visit? Well, we have to remember the extent to which there are so deep fissures within the political structures within Iraq. You've got so many different communities and you've got the interface between the federal authorities and the regional authorities uh, in, in Erbil. And really picking up on what Steve was saying, there's, a, uh, there's so much pain and misery and darkness through which uh, the, the poor country of Iraq has gone through, that this shines a light of hope to see that they as a community are better together, they're stronger together, they have so much more to gain by coming together, by uniting around the common need to break uh, down these walls of division and to build up uh, the, these areas in which they all need to come together to rebuild. Because, I mean, I've been with Aid to the Church in Need for 18 and a half years and from day one, we've been looking at Iraq and watching this calamity that, that Iraq has been through, not least the minority communities, but the majority ones too. And so there is this urgent need that stems out of all of that mm -hmm. uh, for the politicians to recognize this is a break moment. Uh, mm -hmm. The Pope has provided a sort of, uh, drawn a line in the sand from which to at last capitalizing yeah. that goodwill and it's really important that that momentum is sustained because it can easily be lost. We've seen many occasions in which trips of this are, may, are made. People think the job has been done right. and they step away. But actually, it's now is the time to capitalize and move mm -hmm. quickly to, to really perpetuate that sense of optimism yeah. and to concretize it in terms of action, measures, steps, political, cultural and otherwise, to ensure right. that they can really make good the progress already obtained. Well, I think that the desire to maintain it is expressed in the very fact that the president declared March 6th as a national day of tolerance and coexistence. Stephen, was that a surprise to everybody or was it expected? 
It was a, a surprise uh, to us, you know, the, the Iraqis uh, can be emotional people. And I think, they, you know, they've been caught up in the uh, uh, in the uh, in, in the good feeling uh, of the moment. Uh, we'll see what uh, what comes of that. But it certainly uh, was a was a welcome uh, was a welcome step. Yes. Yes. So that's again for, for people that were not watching March 6th has been declared an annual day in Iraq, a national day of tolerance and coexistence. Um, I, I guess it's impossible to look at this as visit without looking at the interreligious aspect um, or the interreligious dialogue. I, I wanted to, I was curious, uh, and I'll, I'll ask you, Father uh, Dominic, how much of that there's the dialogue between the different faiths, but there's also the dialogue between the very, the Christian faith, the Christian rites. And, mm. and how much of that is, I know the Holy Father spoke about the, the carpet woven. Is he talking about the, the different diverse groups or is he just talking to the Christian groups? Is he talking to everybody? Can you unpack that for us a bit? Well, I think obviously Iraq is a country of great religious diversity, um, as is the whole of the Middle East. You know, I've been following this from London. Um, mm -hmm. I've been to Iraq twice on project trips with Aid to the Church in Need, but I'm not there on the ground. And so, um, you know, I can't um, say exactly how this was being being received. Um, but th th there, were, there were two main aims, I think, in this apostolic visit of um, of Pope Francis. One was specifically to do with the Christians and one was to do with um, tolerance, with um, uh, respect among all religions. Um, so, you know, the first thing, the Christians themselves, uh, that's so important because, you know, John, St. John Paul II was due to come 20 years ago to Iraq. Um, and in the intervening period, and especially since 2014, as your programs have been um, have been showing um, the extent of the um, of the devastation um, of, and the oppression, persecution of the Christian people, which H the Church in Need has have been have been supporting um, those Christians who are who have been persecuted has been it's been absolutely enormous. And so this was above all a pastoral visit, first of all, to the Christians and. Uh, Within that, the desire for all Christians to work together. Of course, the Chaldean Catholic Church is the largest um, is the largest Christian denomination in Iraq, um, and is there especially in the north, in the Nineveh Plains. You know, I've been through the towns and the villages there, seen them devastated, spoken to the clergy, spoken at meetings with people who've lost family members um, who, who, um, who, and who have hung on and wanted to remain in this place where Christianity has been since biblical times. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the Syriac Catholic, the Syriac Orthodox, the Chaldean Catholic, the major player there in, in the Nineveh Plains, um, uh, and throughout Iraq, that great Christian diversity, you know, it's, it's a message to say, um, I support you together and I invite you to, um, um, to, to show that, um, that force of Christianity together. But the second part of that, of course, is the interreligious dialogue. Um, and um, the Holy Father, of course, went last year to Abu Dhabi and um, mm. sort of follow up to that visit. So, you know, he, um, he went to Ur. Now, um, uh, there weren't um, 
uh, religious leaders across the divides there. Um, but if you think of the situation in Iraq um, over the last 20 years especially, um, that is really not surprising. The symbolism here is huge of going to this, this, this birthplace of Abraham, um, where we have um, uh, the birthplace really of our common heritage in Judaism, Christianity and Islam. Um, and just his being there in Ur, speaking volumes um, about uh, that desire to coexist and, and to develop, um, to develop um, peace building, to bri build bridges between people of different religions. The right. same when he met Asistani, you know, only five minutes, but the symbolism is enormous. This, this um, arguably the leader um, of the world um, Shiite Shi Shi Islam um, and um, someone who's been very instrumental in, um, in forging um, uh, good relationships um, right. with other religions. So both of those are important. They're all part of the carpet, I think, for, for Francis, this, this bridge building pope. Yes, I wanted to. I wanted to ask about the meeting with Al Sistani. I think forty-five minutes is, is actually a long time, and and maybe there's a lot of questions as to what exactly they spoke about. But there were statements being released um, from the statement that Al Sistani released. Some people are saying that a, that a religious ruling has been achieved. Is is that something that we can consider, John? What do you think? Well, I think what we have to remember is that this visit took place against a backdrop of very much a great deal of pain between, uh, in, in, in the case of AIDS, the church in need, we're very much focused on the Christian community. We've been individually following their stories and visits um, and through projects. And I don't think we should underestimate the degree of, of suffering that the communities, I'm thinking here especially in Nineveh Plains, because many of them felt, the Christian communities, felt that they were let down by their own neighbours mm. who, when uh, ISIS came, uh, seemed not necessary to defend the Christian neighbours. And the great sense of woundedness uh, that, that those Christians feel, they've lost everything. And uh, they feel a lot of hurt and a lot of anguish. And they mm. ask themselves, what, how are we respected within the wider community? And so there is a need to, to recognize that pain and to recognize that there is an urgent need to heal, which means, means practically that the, the hand of friendship and the hand of legal enablement and emancipation is given by the majority community to the minority community mm. to enable them to feel that they are as much Iraqis as the majority community. And unless that takes practical form, legal form, uh, cultural form, uh, the, the, the danger is we'll go back to where we were before, right. that we'll, we'll retreat into the silo, uh, ghettoized communities, because um, there, there's a lot of hurt, as I say, and unless that, that hurt is answered to by practical steps, we won't really move out of this. Mm -hmm. And we, we are, as a Catholic charity, very concerned to, to enable the Christian community to stay. We should not in any way underestimate the degree to which there is pressure for the survival, the very survival of that Christian community. And if that community is to survive, 
it needs them as a community to feel that the majority communities want them there. They have a they desire their presence as part of that that mixture that if you like that interwoven carpet about which we've spoken about which the Pope spoke, and it it, it behoves the majority community to extend that hand of welcome. They right. extend that hand of of, of community. Uh, because uh, being so depleted in number and in influence, it's very difficult for the, the majority, minority community to take the initiative in that regard. So this, this, this is really important that we've actually been able to identify this issue and recognize that it is seminal in terms of moving forward. It is. And of course, the, the majority that you're speaking of are the Shia Muslims. And yeah. so if their leader says something, presumably the majority will follow. And that's what I think we all hope. We're listening to a panel discussion looking back at the Pope's visit to Iraq that took place this past March 5th to the 8th. I am speaking with Father Dominic Robinson, ecclesiastical assistant to Aid to the Church in Need in the UK, John Pontifex, head of press and information for Aid to the Church in Need in the UK, and Stephen Rasha of the Catholic University in Erbil. Here now is the rest of our conversation. For me, one of the more moving events took place uh, when the Holy Father visited the city of Karakosh. Um, and I know that for all three of you, that was a very moving moment as well. Um, Father Dominic, um, there were a few moments there that I know moved you greatly. Can you tell us about that? Well, I think, um, I think it was because I've been to Karakosh. I've, I've celebrated mass in Karakosh with the community there just um, two years ago. And um, so just seeing um, that church, um, although they were socially distanced, that church being very full of Christians who've been, who've been through it. They really have been. And we've seen the, the pictures of that church um, uh, after Daesh um, overtook it and uh, turned it into a place for, for target practice and, and a jail, you know. That's very moving to see the Holy Father arrive there to celebrate Mass. Um, the, um, uh, the, the, the call to forgiveness, the Holy Father spoke about in his homily there, um, uh, which he was highlighting as the vital um, Christian virtue without which we couldn't move forward with reconciliation. And um, that moved me because I, I've heard in visiting visiting people in the Nineveh Plains and um, who've been through so much that they will still say, um, uh, uh, we want to forgive. And you ask them, uh, how can you? And they say, well, because we're Christian. Yeah. And I think that's what Pope Francis brought out. Yes. That, that was um, a huge takeaway, I think, from, um, from that visit to Karakosh. Yes, he also, he also invoked the protection of Our Lady and highlighted the role of women, Father Dominic. How significant yes. is that? But very significant. Um, Pope Francis um, uh, often does highlight the role of women because he's, you know, he, he, he goes, he, he has this, um, uh, this invitation to go to the margins and to those who might seem um, to be, to be um, oppressed. Um, and uh, in this context, um, it's very often the women who have kept things together, of course. Mm -hmm. uh, they've kept families together to stay in the towns and the villages. Um, and uh, so uh, meeting Mrs. Doa, you know, yes. 
um, was very, very powerful. And it was really good that she was given centre stage there. You know, he's had meetings with religious leaders. Um, there are religious leaders of the different Christian traditions, you know, who have been on the sanctuary and in the meetings. And um, it was really important that Mrs. Doa there was there as a representative of those who really had to fight in those towns and villages to stay. Not that the, the church leaders didn't as well, but that's Pope Francis' pastoral heart, I think, which comes out so strongly. Yes, I think so. And for those of you that, are, that maybe are not familiar with what took place, so Mrs. Doha, uh, she lost her son, a nephew, and, and a young woman, a neighbor, and she credits their death as being the alarm that saved the rest of the Christians in the city because they were able, they knew that Daesh, ISIS was, were, were coming. And so she says that they, the souls of these martyrs saved, saved the whole city. It was a very moving testimony. Thank you for bringing that up, Father Dominic. Um, Mary, Our Lady, also had a prominent, uh, I think, place uh, in, in the form of a particular statue that we saw at the Mass in Erbil. Uh, Stephen, can you tell us about that statue? Sure, well, the, for those who were watching the Mass in uh, Erbil, uh, you saw uh, placed out front uh, of the altar uh, off, to the, uh, off to the side a bit, but in a, in a glass case, a, a statue of the Virgin Mary that if you're watching on TV, it would appear to be somewhat uh, battered with its hands uh, broken off and then loosely uh, pinned back on to the, uh, the, the body of the statue. This statue is the statue of the Virgin Mary from the Mar Adai Church in uh, Karamdes in Nineveh Plain. And it was recovered by uh, a small group of us. Um, uh, I was with that group uh, photographing. This was just uh, about a day and a half after the church was recovered uh, from ISIS. Uh, at first, they were not going to, the Iraqi army was not going to let us into the church. Uh, there were concerns that it was still mined. Um, and after some negotiation with uh, uh, Father Thabet, now Monsignor Thabet, um, we were allowed in, three of us, Deacon Maya, Monsignor Thabet, and myself. We came into the church and we found the statue of the Virgin Mary uh, placed up behind the demolished uh, altar center um, uh, of the church, uh, decapitated and with its uh, hands cut off. And uh, have, uh, took pictures of that, pictures of Father Thabet at that uh, that time was a very moving um, and difficult moment for him uh, to come into his church. And then here we are all these years later, um, the town is recovered. We found the, uh, the headpiece uh, of the Virgin uh, Mary statue. We found her hands. Uh, we recovered them and pieced them together for this mass. It was placed up there and blessed by uh, the Holy Father, quite a moving moment for uh, for all of us really yes very significant and in a way i think it it really summarizes the whole theme of rebuilding and of of, of new life that i think uh, we hope is is beginning for iraq now maybe we can say it already began some years ago um, much has been said about how iraqis have been leaving iraq and how it's time for them to be returning do you think that this visit Maybe I'll throw this question out to all three of you, but do you think that this visit um, will lead to Iraqis returning to their country? John, what do you think? 
Well, we, we very much hope so, because um, central to the work that Aid to the Church in Need has done is, in partnership with many other organisations, is to create an opportunity to enable the Christians not only to, to survive this persecution, but also uh, to regroup and return uh, to, to, to their homeland. Mm -hmm. And we very much hope that, yes, indeed, it will spark uh, the possibility of return. But we're fearful that uh, once people leave, uh, the, the, the possibilities of returning, particularly given COVID and all the restrictions mm -hmm. and all the difficulties, will be that much more difficult. But we can but hope that it'll, it'll enable uh, some, some action in that direction. We know that we want to um, follow what Archbishop Warder and the other bishops are doing in that region to create two options to enable them to return to the Nineveh Plains for, the, um, for those who can, but also for those who want to explore that other option of being in the, in the Kurdish region. And it's a huge credit to, to the work of Steve uh, and the Archbishop and many others that they've created a real vi viable scenario for the communities to go back to. I'm thinking here of the Catholic University of Erbil. I'm thinking of the hospital. I'm thinking of all the work. Uh, we're very, very blessed in having a bishop like Archbishop Warder. Uh, if it weren't for someone like him, the possibility, the very possibility of, of this community, be it wherever it may be, to come back would be, would be a non-starter. So thanks to them that we have that option for those communities who may wish to return from other countries. Yes, and like, like all of you have said, the fact that such a spotlight, a positive spotlight has been placed in the country because of the Holy Father's visit, maybe that will bring more awareness around the world. I, I heard uh, that a, an Iraqi man was, was saying that he hoped the Pope would come every year because um, <laughs> it certainly was a, sort of that rallying cry, that uniting force that was bringing everyone together. Um, so what's next, Father Dominic? What do you think? Do you think that this visit will have the impact that was desired? I would really like to hope so. Um, yeah, um, it's, it's, I mean, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen in Iraq? I mean, mm -hmm. you, know, you can't look into a crystal ball and see, um, and see what's going to happen. Um, but this, this, this visit, I think, has just given um, an enormous amount of hope. I, I, I would, that would be my, my desire anyway, that, um, that uh, Iraqi Christians especially would, um, would, would have seen in, in the Pope, who came as a pilgrim of peace, wanting to build bridges, um, that, um, that, that there's a new impetus for that um, uh, in a new Christian hope um, for the people there, because they have been through so much. And just to um, just to say, um, from my experience of visiting Iraq, I couldn't agree with with John Moore that um, that the work that's been done um, behind the scenes in reconstructing um, uh, the Nineveh Plains, um, Archbishop Wada and Steve, and the wonderful work, the university, the hospital, um, and thanks to all the benefactors made to the Church in Need as well, who have given a huge amount in funds for, for um, to enable that to happen. You know, um, the Holy Father coming um, is an invitation now for, for people, yes, to go back and to begin to be um, such an important part of, of, um, of Iraqi society um, that, um, that they have been um, coexisting along with Muslims and Yazidis, um, you know, for, for so long. For centuries, yes. Um, Steve, I think I want to leave the last word to you. 
because you are in Iraq. I, I, I'm curious to know how you felt you were at that final mass with the Holy Father. I think you were pretty close to him. Um, what was that moment? It must have been very emotional. And then also tell us, what is your hope? Where do you see Iraq five, ten years from now, having lived what you just lived this last weekend? Well, you know, Iraq is a place where you never know what to expect. Um, you're never really certain how things are going to work out. And, and honestly, we had a lot of trepidation coming into this. It was an enormous lift for what is comparatively by Western standards, a tiny, tiny archdiocese. I mean, this, this mass for 10,000 people was pulled off essentially by seven or eight priests, um, a handful of, uh, of sisters, and uh, 250 volunteer young people. Um, and uh, it went just wonderfully. And the arrival of the Holy Father was just electric. And it brought through all of the people there so much joy, so much hope. It was just a, a thing you could really feel. And and really the, the feeling around here was just overjoyed at, at how well it went, how well the Pope was received mm -hmm. um, across the, uh, the entire spectrum and how well everybody reacted. You know, at that mass, there were many non-Christians there at that mass. And so respectful, I think they sensed innately the the solemnity and the purpose of it. And these are, in many cases, people who had never been to a mass before uh, in their lives. So all of that was just just really uh, fantastic for us to feel. The one thing that uh, strikes me in all of it, in terms of hope for Iraq, if you watched the mass again, um, note how many of the people involved were young people. Right. Young people full of faith, full of hope, and now completely energized uh, from uh, this visit uh, by the Holy Father. Mm -hmm. We couldn't be more uh, proud and happy for these young people there. Whatever future the Christians have in Iraq, it's in their hands. Um, and, and they were an enormous part of making this mass the, the success it was. And uh, yes. of course, you know, just the last thing, um, because there's been some criticism in, in the West about the Holy Father coming in the middle of the pandemic and all of that. I would say that, you know, to those people, that's, you know, we, we talk a lot about privilege these days. Mm -hmm. That's a pretty privileged Western attitude towards things you know the people in iraq want to live their lives they've been through things people in the west can't imagine mm -hmm. this visit brought them so much joy and hope and the pope by bringing uh, bringing that statement to them showed his solidarity with them the people loved it right yeah and i do think that we were able to see that joy and hope through the tv screens as we participated as closely as we could to the events that was a conversation I had with Father Dominic Robinson, ecclesiastical assistant to aid to the church in need in the UK, John Pontifex, head of press and information at Aid to the Church in Need in the UK, and Stephen Rasha of the Catholic University in Erbil. All these interviews were done as part of the Salt and Light Media coverage of the Pope's apostolic visit to Iraq. You can watch and read all our coverage at slmedia.org. You can also learn all about the work of Salt and Light Media at that website, 
slmedia.org. And that's also where you can listen to all our Salt and Light Hour programs. To comment on anything that you hear on this program or to find me, to just say hello, I'm on social media, Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just look for Deacon Pedro, at Deacon Pedro. You can also find me the good old-fashioned way via email. I love emails. Just send a message, pedro at slmedia.org. It's really easy. Let's continue praying for our Holy Father and also for the people of Iraq as they continue rebuilding their country, looking at the stars and weaving that beautiful tapestry that we spoke about. Thank you for listening. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this has been a special Pope in Iraq edition of the Salt and Light Hour. <laughs>